This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to talk about a little bit of film and TV news and then gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor BJ Colangelo. Hi, hi, hiya. All right, BJ. So the big news that broke, uh, I think, right after we finished recording Tuesday's episode was that, or actually maybe this came out yesterday. This came out Wednesday. I don't recall now. Anyway, time, time is, is meaningless. meaningless. Yeah. Um, but uh, some very important casting news came out, and that is uh, James Gunn has found his Clark Kent slash Superman and Lois Lane for Superman Legacy. So uh, David Corin Sweat is going to be Superman, and Rachel Brosnahan is going to be Lois Lane. Uh, so what do you think about this, BJ? What do you think about this casting? I'm so excited when they started doing the little announcements of who is up for the role. These are the two people that I wanted more than anything. Um, I mean, I know some people are bummed that Nicholas Holt has now lost out on both Superman and Batman. I think that is a blessing for him. He can continue being a little weirdo in other really interesting projects. David Corinsweet was like 
made in a laboratory to play Clark Kent, if you ask me. <laughs> um, he's also been talking about wanting to play Superman for years. And he's like, oh, it's, you know, a pie in the sky kind of dream. But I, you know, it's something I'd love to do. And he also wants to play a fun Superman, like not one that's like super edgy the way that, you know, Snyderverse uh, Superman was. Mm -hmm. So it feels like the perfect actor found the perfect director. And that is just fantastic. And in terms of Rachel Brosnahan, like, she, again, she just feels like Lois Lane. Uh, this is a great thing for her to be working on post-Marvelous Miss Maisel. I, it just, I have no complaints. This is this is dream casting for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super familiar with Corn Sweat as an actor. I know that I, I saw him in uh, alongside Mia Goth in Pearl last year. Mm -hmm. He played the um, the projectionist who worked at the movie theater. Um, but even that was like a supporting role. And that, you know, he's been in other stuff that I just haven't seen. He was in uh, The Politician, which I think was the, the Ryan Murphy Netflix show. He's um, really good in that as well. Okay, yeah, that's cool. So I, I didn't, even, yeah, I don't even remember really hearing anything at all about that show. So it's, it's good that there's uh, at least something to recommend it there. Um, if people want to go back and sort of familiarize yourself with this actor before uh, 2025 when Superman Legacy comes out. Um, and then also similarly, VJ, I, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I um, I don't know if I've seen Rachel Brosnahan in much <laughs> before either. So like, what, what would you recommend um, for people if they're like, like me, sort of largely unfamiliar with these actors. Are there any particular projects that jump out at you? It sounds like The Politician might be another one you recommend. So I really do like The Politician a lot. It's got a really interesting sense of humor that I think might be weird for people. But I do think that the fact people don't know them is a good thing because when we bring in these you know mainstream Hollywood types to play superheroes, sometimes it can be really difficult to separate you know, oh, I'm watching Robert Downey Jr. versus Tony Stark. That's obviously a bad example because he's such a good Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> but I do think that like that sort of happens when people are like, oh, I want so-and-so in a Marvel movie. And it's like, but will you believe them as that character or are you going to just be excited that a celebrity is there? Um, I will say that is one of the issues that I have with Doctor Strange, no shade to Benedict Cumberbatch, but I'm, I just look at him and I'm like, you're just Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something good uh, with, with David Cornswood kind of being a relative unknown and that I think might sound dismissive to his work, but that's not true. Same thing with Rachel Brosnahan. I mean, they're both, they're both doing work and they're both very, very talented. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that they're not these massive household names yet for a lot of people um because we also have to remember like these movies are speaking to audiences that are not like film twitter that are not like film people my mom doesn't know who either of these people are um but if i show a picture she's like oh that's really that's really cool i i like them they they got a good look to them um so for you you're you know you're right a lot of people don't know who they are so i think yeah politician definitely for corn sweat uh when it comes to rachel brosnahan i mean marvelousness majel's probably the easiest one um to point to um because she's incredible i mean she's she's the lead <laughs> which <laughs> is helpful um but she was also on that show manhattan from like i think like 2014 2015 mm -hmm. um that is about you know atomic weapons and the manhattan project so you know it feels fitting with oppenheimer about to come out maybe maybe that can be a little a little teaser kill two yeah. birds with one stone on that one 
I like it. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, I'm looking at her filmography right now, and she's been in, actually in a bunch of things that I've seen, but just in like very, very small parts, like Olive Kittredge on HBO, that that miniseries from a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, House of Cards, uh, Finest Hours. I mean, yeah, she's she's sort of been around, but like I didn't really know. I think for me, like her name first became first was like put on my radar when uh, Maisel started winning Emmys and was like, you know, yeah. a big deal as that show launched. And that was like 2017 or so. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit since, um, since I've seen her in anything and I'm excited to see for exactly the reason that you mentioned, like, I love that they don't bring a ton of baggage to this. And I think uh, the idea that like these two could be, you know, that, that we could be watching, um, you know, almost like stars being born before our very eyes. It's always like a totally. fun thing. So um, cool. Okay. So yeah, that, that's pretty much the only movie news that I really wanted to talk about. Um, there's a couple more things that I'm going to link to in the show notes that I, I found interesting over the past couple of days, but not really anything that anything, you know, anything that we're going to be able to say more than like, oh, that's cool. Which like Dan Trachtenberg who directed Prey and has directed episodes of, or an episode of Black Mirror and 10 Cloverfield Lane is going to be directing one of the episodes of Stranger Things season five, which is awesome. Um, we're big fans of his at Slash Oh Film. yeah. Um, and then, like, the whole uh, Turner Classic Movies debacle that was going on at Warner Brothers Discovery over the past, uh, let's call it 10 days or so, um, <laughs> there was a whole sort of series of uh, layoffs and um, all sorts of, like, bad vibes around that whole situation. But uh, Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg and Paul Thomas Anderson have evidently, like, convinced David Zaslav to uh, rehire the a key programmer over there. And then those three filmmakers are also going to help curate TCM stuff um, in, in the whatever weeks, months, years ahead. Um, there's mm-hmm. no particular timeline on that. So while a lot of people did get laid off because of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery's, um, I guess, cost saving measures, they're, they're, I think, billions and billions and billions of dollars in debt. And they're trying to get out from underneath that and just looking to cut costs in any way they can. Um, that is, I mean, it's awful that these people were laid off, but I'm, I'm glad that at least the, like this key programmer uh, whose name is uh, Charles Tabish, I think is the, um, is how you pronounce it, who was basically said to be like the heart and soul of what made TCM a great network over the past like, 20 years or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they reversed that decision anyway and, and brought him back. So, um, you know, not ideal, but certainly better than it was a week ago. So totally. Um, yeah, so yeah, you can read more about all that stuff in the links in the show notes. And then uh, I guess before we get into, this is probably a good, a good point to take a break, and then we'll get into uh, the water cooler right after this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, so let's get into what we've been doing. I haven't really been doing much of anything, BJ. I've been slowly chipping away at building this uh, this bookshelf, like a, a built-in, I think that's what it's called, a built-in bookshelf in um, the loft of my house, which I'm very excited about. We finally got like the most of it up and running, and we just have to put uh, like polyurethane sort of like varnish on it to protect the protect from like sun damage mm-hmm. and like to protect the books themselves or, or I mean the, the shelves from getting uh, scuffed up with the, when you put books and stuff on them. Um, so like we're very close. We've been working on it, my wife and I for like, 
I don't know, two years or something at this point. So I'm so excited. We've had our books just like scattered around in <laughs> in the hallways on the floor. Just and miniature stuff. like doom piles or yeah. throughout your house. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I'm excited to be, uh, you know, able to see a light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, but what have you been doing recently? All right. So I have to confess that I am the worst person when it comes to targeted ads on social media. I have bought so much stuff that I didn't need but really wanted because an ad got it to me. And uh, right now it is uh, a jewelry cleaner machine. Um, It's like a little miniature box that I can use with USB. And what it does is it has intense vibration. So it makes all these little teeny tiny bubbles and the bubbles clean out the crevices of jewelry. And since I've moved to Los Angeles, you know, the the environment is really different than than in the Midwest. Uh, we have hard water here. Everything is dusty all the time. So I have been noticing that a lot of my jewelry has been, you know, tarnishing a lot quicker. So I got this targeted ad. I bought it. I'm obsessed with it. I will sit there and just watch vibrating water move around bracelets and necklaces and, you know, weird earrings uh, for like the seven minutes until it stops. And then I pull it out and it's like a magic trick because it looks brand new. And uh, my wife also has a lot of like old vintage jewelry. So I've been doing the same with hers where I just sit there and I'm like, whoa, look at this brooch. I'm watching bubbles. Like what's wrong with me? (laughs) But it's fascinating and I love it. And I think everyone should get one. They're like $20 on Amazon. Well, I have to say like uh, Instagram, um, the ads from my experience anyway, are a lot of stuff that is just like useless to my day-to-day life. I'm just like, always think every time I scroll past something, I'm just thinking like, you're doing such a bad job at targeting ads to me. But this seems like one of those instances where it's actually adding value to your life and like making things easier. So oh, yeah, I'm, the, I'm the ad algorithm out. for me, like reads me to filth every day. It's like, <laughs> we know that you want these like really ugly pajama pants with the Animaniacs on them, don't you? And it's like, you're right, I do. I'm gonna buy them. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Okay, so uh, what have you been reading recently, PJ? I am about halfway through Page Boy, a memoir, which is Elliot Page's uh, memoir that I think became available about three weeks ago. Um, It is beautiful. It is heartbreaking. I think that it is an essential read for any film fan, anybody who's a fan of Elliot Page's work. If you want to know more about his transition, how he feels about his career, I, it's really, really good. It's it's a hard read at times. Obviously, we're dealing with some really intense emotional issues, but it's really phenomenal. And I think it is becoming a vital piece of queer, especially trans literature. Um, it's it's fantastic. I cannot uh, put it down. <laughs> Amazing. So, are there like um, you know you're talking about like there there being some relatively serious subject matter in there? Is there also like the sort of uh, I don't know what you would call it like light and breezy stories from movie sets and things like that mixed in? Definitely. And there's okay. also a lot of like honoring the people that have been wonderful to Elliot throughout this whole situation or who have been really understanding and really been there for him, um, which I really, really like. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It is such a great and vulnerable memoir. I think a lot of times celebrity memoirs, people want to, you know, paint themselves in a certain light. They're definitely curating what the public is going to see about them. And this feels very open in a way that a lot of celebrity memoirs do not. It reminds me a lot of 
the vulnerability in I'm Glad My Mom's Dead by Jeanette McCurdy, which was kind of like the big celebrity memoir last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the This has a, a similar kind of energy. They feel like uh, spiritual siblings a bit. Um, yeah, great, great stuff. Um, very curious to see where it's going to go towards the end. Um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. Excellent. So that's called Page Boy, a memoir by Elliot Page. Yes. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, I watched all of The Bear season two over the course of two nights. I think it came out last Thursday and my wife and I watched it Thursday. And then actually, I think we had some people over on Friday. So we finished it on Saturday. Uh, have you caught up with The Bear, BJ? Is this oh, yeah. Your... I mean, okay. I'm from Chicago originally. So The Bear hits a, a very big sweet spot for me, even though there are some things that are inaccurate. Um, but, you know, that's just being picky um i think the bear is one of the best shows that we've gotten in like a decade it's so so incredible i cannot believe it like just it feels like it hits i mean maybe there's a couple little things that i might sort of nitpick uh, along the way but for the most part it's i love the feeling that it gives me um watching it i mean even episode six which is like uh you know the my stomach dropped watching that episode. Um, I don't even need to go into like full spoilers or anything, right. but like, that is like, that's the episode that everyone is talking about this season. Um, and, and it kind of has that sort of like uh, full on anxiety attack uh, vibe that a lot of season one had. Um, mm-hmm. Even, even that feeling, I, I kind of love having it because most shows I just kind of sit there and like admire aspects of it or, um, you know, uh, take drink in performances and and really zero in on like certain elements that I really appreciate about shows like this. But the bear like makes me feel things in ways that a lot of other shows just don't come even close to doing. So even though like I didn't, I don't necessarily enjoy the feeling that, uh, that sort of sat in the pit of my stomach during episode six, I'm thankful that the show um, is made with such incredible artistry that it was able to transmit that feeling to me (laughs) anyway if that makes sense. I mean and what a gift to be able to have that feeling and it be through the safe distance of a television show like that would be way worse if you were having that feeling and it's because something in your real life is making you feel that way this is a nice emotional exercise for all of us yeah and and I hope that you know the people who actually like that episode in particular reflects your real life real life experience out there like I hope that um (laughs) that it can i don't know i don't i don't know if this show is going to give you any solace or anything but like i hope that maybe seeing that experience on screen will will do something for you and like maybe validate your experiences or something like it's just um you know thankfully my real life is nothing like the the utter chaos of that episode <laughs> um so but yeah like i'm i'm sure there are people where that that certainly hits much much closer to home so um i i feel for those folks as well but um but my god just like the the filmmaking the you know i I'm, I, this is a controversial uh, take here, BJ. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to a Taylor Swift album all the way through. I've just like <laughs> heard, you know, the hits on the radio or whatever. And I've been largely apathetic uh, and and sort of like agnostic, I guess, about Taylor Swift. Like, there are some that are I'm like, okay, this is a banger, whatever. But uh, I've never like thrown any of her tracks onto a playlist or anything. Um, the Bear and its relationship to Taylor Swift, what it does uh, through the Richie character, um, it brought me to tears. And I was just like, I can't believe that this show is using music in such a way, um, especially a Taylor Swift song, like this artist who I have like no personal relationship with, um, mm-hmm. that is using it in such an effective way to to sort of enhance the storytelling around this one character. I just thought it was like so immaculately done. So um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any anything uh, any highlights of of the Bear season two? I guess without spoiling anything. So yeah, without spoiling job. anything. If you've heard anything about like, oh, there's all these cameos. Yep, they're all fantastic. They're every single one of them. I've seen some people say that they found them distracting. I didn't. <laughs> I loved yeah. every single one of them. Um, and I, so, okay, so I've been in mini rooms before. Um, I can't say which ones for obviously like NDA reasons. But the Bear is a show that whenever I watch it. I can't hear studio notes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there's something so refreshing about it, especially in season two, where it really feels like this is a show where the creative team was kind of given carte blanche to tell the story that they wanted to tell and that FX and Hulu and, you know, everybody involved gave them the space to do it. And it's like, huh, look how much better things can be when we (laughs) don't worry about appeasing the algorithm or hitting four quadrants and just let a show be great yeah yeah that's a great point and like huge shout out to christopher store and joanna Kahlo, who are like the um the i guess christopher store created the show but i think those mm-hmm. two co-show run it if that's my that's my understanding anyway um so yeah just like incredible like next level top tier like all the accolades you know i, I cannot recommend this highly enough i think I don't know. I, I'm I'm having trouble like placing it in a in the context of like whether or not I appreciate the second season more than season one because season one was such a huge surprise. Season mm-hmm. two is like incredible in different ways because it still managed to be just unbelievably great all the way through while having the target on its back of like, hey, we did this great season one. You know, the pressure's on us. What are we going to do? And I feel like they delivered in, and they delivered something that was like slightly different, but like still gave you a lot of, um, you know, the same kind of vibes, but but they they tweaked it. They clicked the dial just enough where it's not just a repeat of season one. They're, they're doing something totally different. They're all um, working toward this this same goal and the dynamics are different, but like, man, the the um, narrative uh, paths that these characters go down is, is, I mean, it's just like so satisfying to watch. So um yeah, highest recommendation for the Bear season two, which is on FX on Hulu right now, streaming on Hulu. Um, I also had a chance to watch Niagara, which I, I think I mis- mentioned on a previous episode uh, when I was talking with Chris that it's a movie that's been on my list for a long time. Uh, this is a 1953 film noir by uh, Henry Hathaway that stars Marilyn Monroe. Have you ever seen this, BJ? I've not seen this one. I once I saw that you were going to talk about this, I was like, I want to know more. Yeah, so it's a it's like a Technicolor noir, one of the the few noirs that um you know is like bursting with color and very much takes place like uh, most I think most of it takes place in the middle of the day, like broad sh- sunshine and uh, yeah, super bright colors. And um, Marilyn Monroe is, is great. Chris, Chris and I were talking about uh, you know her uh, a little bit of her. Um, I guess reputation versus like her abilities as an actress and and how we we sort of feel like she's a, a lot of times like her actual talent is, has been overlooked by like the, the iconic status oh, that she's completely. taken on. Um, and yeah, this is a great um, example of of that. I mean, she she kind of leans into it because she is supposed to be this sort of like bombshell, beautiful character that is like the the sort of femme fatale of the um, of the project a little bit. Uh, so she kind of like it's almost like she knew at you know in in 53 what the public perception of her was and she's like leaning into that and, and sort of playing off of it and I, I thought in a pretty interesting way um joseph cotton is also in this uh, gene peters max showalter so yeah it's it's a, a a very entertaining movie that um is set in and around the niagara falls area and uh there's some 
some cool set pieces. I'll just say that. I'll, I'll leave it <laughs> leave it there. But I'm sure, it, you know, for a movie called Niagara, you can probably guess what happens. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's uh, it, for something filmed in 1953. I thought this stuff was like pretty effective. So um, that is streaming on the Criterion channel right now. If you want to check that out. Uh, I also watched The Last Unicorn, which is the 1982 animated fantasy film um, that is based on Peter S. Beagle's book. And I read the book, um, uh, I guess it must have been last year, and I think I talked about it on the podcast then. Uh, but Rankin and Bass, the, the same team that were responsible for like a lot of the Christmas holiday specials, Frosty the Snowman, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that kind of thing. And I think they also did the, um, oh, I was going to say they did the... Uh, the Hobbit, but I think that might have been Ralph Bakshi, actually. Yeah, that's um, Bakshi. Oh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, Rankin and Bass, you're probably familiar with their work. Um, they were the uh, the directors of this movie, and Peter S. Beagle, the, the writer of the novel, actually wrote the screenplay for this film adaptation, which I'd never seen before, and I remember hearing from you know my contemporaries all my life basically that like this is one of those movies that like really messed them up as kids and is kind of like um i don't know another movie that i imagine it being in that same bucket is like watership down which i've never seen uh-huh. um but it's like a same kind of vibe where like if you watch that at a certain age you're you're kind of scarred for life um but yeah the the voice cast in this is incredible alan arkin jeff bridges mia farrow angela lansbury christopher lee i mean there's like great great people in this and um because uh peter s beagle the the author of the book also wrote the screenplay it is like incredibly accurate to the the book itself it feels like a a almost straight word for word adaptation at a lot of times there's like one scene that i can think of that did not make its way into the movie that was in the book but pretty much everything else i thought was like very um yeah basically just poured it over from the book so uh if you enjoyed the book i think you'll probably get a kick out of this movie um did you grow up with this film bj have you ever seen this before? oh 100 percent. i grew up with this movie okay uh, the last unicorn is uh we we quoted a lot in my household specifically the drunk skeleton when they give him this big sad speech to be like <laughs> oh we really want to get through and he just goes now um so we do that a lot in our house um and i mean and also who among us has not been terrified by a tree with titties um like the last unicorn is one of those movies that i just remember you know watching as a kid and being floored by it because it is so like not a disney movie and i was a kid during the disney renaissance so i was very into this um i actually did an episode specifically about the last unicorn with my wife on our podcast this ends at prom because this is such a seminal coming of age like experience that a lot of young women have Mm -hmm. because it's a unicorn that is inherently kind of like a feminine mystical creature uh so a lot of boys come to this movie later in life but a lot of girls like we watch this at sleepovers probably too young considering what happens in this movie because parents just look at the box and they're like oh cute an animated movie about unicorns Mm -hmm. yeah there's some like pretty dire shit that happens in this it's like terrifying ass birds like there's so much scary stuff in this movie yeah (laughs) jeff bridge is trying to sing like you know terror stories <laughs> yeah uh he i thought i mean jeff bridges is kind of known for singing now uh but in 1982 when this movie came out like he he had a it was like a, a tough loss for jeff bridges in this movie because he's trying real one, hard he's yeah, doing the one his best song that he gets <laughs> is uh is pretty rough and maybe it's just like not the right key for him or what but um america the band that sings like uh 
what are they saying? Like uh, Ventura Highway and like they're kind of like a 70s, like soft rock kind of band. They did um, the soundtrack for this. And I had no idea about that going in. So like seeing that in the opening credits and hearing the the um, songs play throughout this kind of thing, it, it was it was described as a musical uh, where I where I watched it, which was on Hulu. I think it said in the description, like, yeah, a musical, whatever. And I was like a musical. I don't really remember there being songs in the in the book, um, but like America, the band is singing about they're singing songs that kind of describe what the characters are doing at certain points. And I was like, huh, there are a couple songs where the characters in the movie sing, but for the most part, it just seems like America's, you know, narrating (laughs) via song what these characters are doing. And I was like, I can't really think of another movie that is described as a musical where the characters themselves don't perform very often. And it's like this sort of omniscient narrator singing songs about what the characters are doing. I don't know. It's a strange thing. So um, it's very medieval in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where you're just kind of getting you like you're the music is like busking almost. Yeah. Where, like a bard <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the last unicorn. I, I would recommend checking it out. I would recommend the book. I think uh, there are actually there are aspects of, of the movie that I liked better than the book and then vice versa. Um, it's just one of those things where like the, the prose of the book is so interesting and so um, uh, electric that you can kind of, it paints a picture very vividly in your mind. And then sometimes with as gorgeous as this animation is for, especially for the time period, sometimes it just doesn't quite come close to the sort of, um, I don't know, grandiosity of uh, that the book can conjure. Um, You you sort of feel the limits of the imagination come into play and and maybe some budget concerns and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, still a really enjoyable experience. So um, a weird experience. And like, certainly, yeah, very much like the Mm -hmm. anti Disney um, (laughs) animated film of, of, the sort of family era of what of what was going on in the 80s at that time. So uh, The Last Unicorn is streaming on Hulu right now. And then the last movie that I want to talk about briefly is uh, Blackberry, which I think we've mentioned on the show several times before. Jay Baruchel and uh, Glenn Howerton play the founders of the Blackberry um, company, um, or the essentially the, I think the company is called Research in Motion, and the, the Blackberry is the, the sort of phone slash emailing device slash texting device, like the the first smartphone for lack of a better term. Uh, And I thought this was pretty good. Uh, Matt Johnson wrote and directed this. And um, yeah, I thought Howerton in particular was really like tapping into that rage that he plays so well on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as uh, Dennis Reynolds. It's it's like that in, you know, uh, bottled up and then, um, sold in, in Blackberry in this character. He's playing like the the sort of um, take no prisoners shark business leader of this company. And Jay Baruchel is like more of the um, like timid uh, tech genius kind of component. And and the two of them forge this uh, alliance and, and basically like create an entire market that would then be like um, overtaken by the iPhone later on. So it's kind of this uh, interesting like rise and fall story of, of the tech world. Um, have you seen Blackberry yet, BJ? So I saw Blackberry and like people keep complaining about being in the era of the brand movie, mm-hmm. which like we're just in an IP obsessed kind of landscape right now. So these movies are going to keep coming. I'm cool with it as long as they're good. And Blackberry is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way of, of putting it. Cause like I heard that the Tetris movie was not very good. So, which is a similar kind of thing. It's not really about Tetris. It's about like the guy who sold, who brought Tetris to the U S or whatever. Um, so I stayed away from that and I've, I've been here and, and I think this extends to like shows like, um, 
we crashed and things like that uh, too. And I, I kind of like stayed away from most of those because I just heard that like they were glorified Wikipedia pages basically. Um, but I think Blackberry uh, rises above that. And I think it's actually like an entertaining movie to watch, even though at times it does feel like, okay, yeah, you're just getting fed, you know, the history of, of a, of a company. Like if you, if you take the macro view of it, that's what you're looking at. But I think the performances and, and the script and the sort of um, nuances of the storytelling uh yeah, result in like an, an actual entertaining experience. So that that sort of, um, I guess, like uh, supersedes the uh, eye rolling nature of the fact that this is technically one of those brand movies. So um, yeah, I think this one is is uh, available on VOD right now if you want to check that out. So that is called Blackberry. And BJ, what have you been watching? So I am finishing up on Platonic. It is an Apple TV plus series yeah apple tv plus um starring seth rogan and rose byrne and it is about platonic friendship and it's fascinating because we don't get a lot of tv shows about platonic friendships of uh differing gender identities and so if you like neighbors you get a lot of that energy back because it's seth rogan and rose byrne who are they just play off each other so well. Um, but it's also just about being an adult and the messy things that happen in adult friendships when you're being friends, but also one of you is married and has kids and the other one has a business. And how do you maintain friendships when you also have, you know, adult responsibilities and how do you not lean into being, you know, essentially childish uh, mm-hmm. with your friend when you, you know, people depend on you. Um, but it's also just really, really, really funny. Um, Apple TV plus is kind of like the sleeper app for me where they're, they're not always in the conversation the way that like Netflix and Hulu and even like max is, but the quality of programming they have is just so above what a lot of people are doing. They don't have as much to choose from, but it's overwhelmingly, good um Mm -hmm. and platonic is one of those and it's weird that i haven't really been seeing a lot of people talking about it because seth rogan's you know one of those big comedy guys but it's really funny and it's really clever and it also will make you want to throw a bird scooter every time you see one for the rest of your life (laughs) um so yeah i i've been having a blast with it i think the finale went live today so that's what i'm going to be doing with uh with my evening Excellent. Okay, so that's Platonic. That's on Apple TV+. And then you've also been watching uh, Evil Dead Rise, it looks like. Yeah, so I rewatched Evil Dead Rise. Uh, It's now on streaming. It's on Max. Um, My wife hadn't seen it yet, and that movie is just so fun. I love all of the Evil Dead movies. Like, There's no bad Evil Dead movie, in my opinion, throughout the franchise. But it's so fun. It knows exactly what movie it wants to be. It pays homage in the ways that it needs to, but it still feels really fresh and unique, uh, but not totally distanced from the franchise that made it famous. I I just loved it. I think Alyssa Sutherland is also so phenomenal as, you know, the mom deadite. Just incredible, incredible body work, incredible voice work. Uh, wonderful like this movie is so much fun definitely watch it with your friends turn the lights off scare yourself silly because that's what these movies do is they scare you in a way that feels fun and i i love it so yeah that's the i I just watched army of darkness for the first time um very recently and was struck all over again by the the physicality of bruce campbell and even though he's not yeah. yeah even though he's not in evil dead rise 
I feel like the that's one of the big through lines. I mean, obviously, like the Necronomicon and, and some of the um, the iconography is the same, even though the setting is totally different. But I feel like that's one of the through lines. Is that physicality in the in the mm-hmm. main performers is just like this ability, this this um, willingness to like throw themselves in every direction and just really fully commit to something. You never once feel like a character or an actor, I should say, is is holding back at all in Evil Dead Rise. They're just really giving it their all. It must totally. Have like a kind of a hellish shoot in certain <laughs> aspects. But <laughs> um but it sounds like, you know, from the the interviews that we've done with the cast, like around the the time of the uh, South by Southwest premiere, it sounds like everybody like really like worked hard but but had a good time making it, which is always nice to hear. So um yeah, Evil Dead Rise. I think it, it just uh, arrived on Max like within the past few days or something. So if you missed it mm-hmm. in theaters, now is a good time to to catch up with it. Uh, what else have you been watching, BJ? All right. So if if people are are familiar with what I normally sound like on the podcast, they might be like, what is going on with BJ's voice? I have bronchitis. I'm really sick. Um, so I've been watching a lot of stuff on my phone or stuff that I can just kind of set it and forget it because I don't want to move a lot. So uh, I have been watching all of the Grimace horror shorts on TikTok. Uh, we had an article go up today written by Hannah Shot Williams about the way that people have been turning the grimace birthday shake promotional event at mcdonald's and turning them into like micro found footage horror movies they're so funny and some of them are genuinely terrifying i'm obsessed with all of them they're all great so if you just and all you have to do is just type like grimace on tiktok or even on youtube they're making it over there if you don't want to download that cursed app that's fine too um (laughs) but they're so funny and inventive and everyone looks like they're having so much fun um and it's just it it just shows how easy it can be to tell a good horror story if you just if you just know the beats and these kids do and it's great. Um, yeah. And I'm also watching a lot of Bluey because I'm a Bluey adult and I have no shame in admitting that uh, it is arguably the best written show for children um, on television right now because it was written not with children in mind but with the adults who are going to be forced to watch it in mind. So it never talks down to the audience and it's. It is a warm blanket. It is comfort food. So Grimace Horror Shorts and Bluey. That is my life right now. Love it. Uh, I would say that I am a, um, a Hilda adult, BJ. And I know that you and I have talked about oh, uh, Hilda um, in the past. And I think my understanding, and I've, it's been a little while since I've checked on this, but my understanding is that there's going to be one more season of Hilda and it's going to be the final season. But I don't know anything about like where it is in the production pipeline and when it's mm-hmm. actually going to arrive on Netflix or anything. But um, I guess, how would you compare Hilda and Bluey? Cause I feel like from the description you just gave Hilda strikes me as something fairly similar where it does, definitely doesn't talk down to its audience. Yeah, I think that Bluey is like definitely the, the younger, like a younger sibling companion to a show like Hilda or like, uh, like a gravity falls um, because it's, it's Australian. It's just about the, it, every character is a dog. So it's all talking dogs. Um, but it's, you know, it's about family and it's about growing up. Um, but it's also about imaginative, imaginative play. Um, if the kids are like, this is the game we're playing today. The parents are like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing today. Um, but it's just very, very smart and fun. If you are somebody who has like little, ones in your life at all uh, this is the show that you should gear like push them towards watching if they're like mom i want to watch coco melon absolutely not you're watching Bluey. um <laughs> but the animation is also just beautiful like it's genuinely beautiful there's an episode called sleepy time that um makes me cry because it is just 
gorgeous and it's about you know having to accept when your kids are getting to that age where they don't want to crawl in bed with you anymore and they are becoming independent and it's just really really lovely but there's a bunch of (laughs) yeah it's a lot Uh, but there's a bunch of um episodes because it you know it's going in australia all the time and then disney plus gets it later so the new uh batch of episodes i think it's the second half of season three are arriving on disney plus sometime in july so i've been trying to like rewatch everything before the new episodes come in um and i'm, I'm very excited bluey bluey rules and if you are a bluey adult too uh you don't have to hide there there are many of us we will embrace you <laughs> excellent okay so uh that's on disney plus that's bluey and then uh what have you been eating recently bj i'm kind of shocked by your um what you've put in the doc here all right so uh my my wife got a job working at vidiots uh the vidiots foundation in los angeles it's a uh, a theater a repertory theater um and it is also a video rental spot with like sixty thousand movies so if you want to re- relive the physical experience of checking out movies, you can do that again. It's awesome. Um, but because she's now working there and um, they have popcorn and hot dogs and all sorts of movie theater snacks, at the end of the night, I get movie theater snacks. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. I have eaten so much movie theater popcorn in the last like three weeks. Um, but, you know, I got I got hot dogs. I got popcorn. It is just the absolute best (laughs) when i'm tired i had a long day at work and she just comes home and it's like it's like it glows in her hand and a choir of angels are singing it's like movie theater popcorn and not like oh i made this at home and put movie theater butter powder that i bought at walmart on it like no like it was made in a movie theater it is the best there's just something you can you can taste the difference where it's actually made you just, inside you just of can <laughs> like your brain knows and it's and like the difference between like movie theater popcorn and regular popcorn is movie theater popcorn still tastes good when it's stale the next day. So I'll eat a little bit of it and I'll put it away. And then like throughout the day when I'm working, I'm probably nomming on some movie theater popcorn. Like it is the ultimate perk of being with somebody who works in a movie theater. Amazing. Uh, so Vidiots is in Eagle Rock. Is that right? Yeah, it's in Eagle Rock. Um, they took over the old Eagle Theater space. So that's still there. Um it's it's the coolest. I mean, this weekend I'm gonna go see uh, if I'm feeling okay. Um, I'm gonna go see Troop Beverly Hills uh, with the director present, and I can't wait. Wow! Um, like I'm like mainlining so much cold medicine the last like 24 <laughs> hours because it's like I've already missed like three things I was supposed to do this week because I'm sick. If I miss this, I'm gonna cry forever. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like a very, very BJ Colangelo event. So I, God, oh, hope, you know, I really <laughs> hope that you make it. So, um, yeah, man, I, you know, hearing about a place like Vidiot's opening just like hurts my heart a little bit because I, I'm no longer living in Los Angeles and I can't visit. But uh, when mm-hmm. I come back to visit, I, I fully plan on stopping by Vidiot's and seeing something because um, that sounds just like an incredible experience. So. Uh, yeah, if you're in LA, let me live vicariously through you and, and drop by there and, and go attend all the cool stuff that they've got going on. Yeah, they're doing um, Jaws for July 4th weekend because you gotta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a must. Uh, all right. The last thing here, BJ, is uh, what we've been playing. I haven't really been playing much of anything. I've been playing some poker like with a group of my old high school friends like once uh, once a month. Um, but uh, what have you been playing recently? Okay, so... 
I've I've mentioned this in the pod a few times, but I'm working on a gigantic piece about Barbie and the lore of Barbie. And I wanted to play old Barbie computer games that I played as a kid to see like if they hold up, what's good, what's not. And I'm very, very lucky that, you know, some very intelligent uh, pirates out there have found ways to platform a lot of these old PC games um, and ones that cannot be platformed but can only be done if you still have like a windows 98 or something yeah um i'm luckily uh the owner of a laptop that was like my dad's work computer when i was a kid um that i have specifically to play old things when i just feel the itch for it no it's one way. of those like it still works it still works not very, like it doesn't have the internet like it doesn't do that so i have to like download things from one like laptop put it on like a thumb drive because like luckily it does have a like usb port and then move it to the that computer and pray it doesn't break um so <laughs> i've been playing barbie's carnival caper um which is where barbie's a detective trying to solve a mystery at a carnival and it was the game i played the most as a kid it plays like garbage now um <laughs> But I don't care. It's really fun. The writing is funny. The music is interesting. Like the Barbie PC games, like some of them are genuinely really, really good. There's some point and click adventure games as well. Um, And it's been like a really nice nostalgia trip to go back and play these games and remember like, oh, no, this is a genuinely good game. Like if you take the Barbie elements away and it was just like, I don't know you know random girl detective agency or whatever it Mm -hmm. would still be a really fun game um so that's been very vindicating to to be reminded that it is not just rose-colored nostalgia glasses like no they were genuinely fun my god bj i I cannot wait until i get a chance to read this article that you're working on because you've (laughs) been putting so much time and effort into this and you're like trickling out into like the deepest corners of barbie lore (laughs) i'm just like i don't know if there's going to be any uh, this is going to be like a repository of like every single barbie thing so i like i got to i had a tweet do do some decent numbers the other day where i got to remind people that barbie had a line of marvel comics at one point so like (laughs) technically barbie could pop up in the mcu and it's not like out outside of the realm of possibility (laughs) and uh people were like i'm sorry barbie had a marvel comic and i'm like yeah and it was mostly her just living her life but occasionally there was a superhero episode (laughs) amazing well uh yeah that that's awesome um i I don't really think we can recommend that people do that because i doubt that other folks have their their dad's old work yeah don't break your computer trying to play barbie carnival caper but you can find like if you if you search for it like there are some on like different online platforms where people have modified games so that you can play it in like a browser that it's not the same, but it's pretty close. Okay. Excellent. Well, BJ, I want to thank you for, um, for, you know, talking with me for 45 minutes, even though you're sick and have been for (laughs) many days. And I hope that you feel better soon. It's Uh, fine. I've been muting my cough so that you don't have to edit them because I am courteous. (laughs) Greatly appreciated. Uh, All right. Well, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode of the show. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. The SlashFilm show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you could find on SlashFilm.com. You can subscribe to the Slash Film Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There is a link for that in the show notes as well. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. A few of you have been uh, really, you know, 
putting a bunch of stuff in that inbox recently. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to respond to as many as I can. So uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, bpearson at slashfilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.